0: Welcome you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. This is a Skype call out to Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, I got Guitar Frenchie here with me, man. How you doing? I'm great, Alan. Glad glad to all have you. Right, do you want to go by Kevin? I should have asked.
1: Well, I usually go by Frenchie, but Guitar Frenchie is fine. Kevin is fine. <laughs> I got many names, but no, I, I've been going by Frenchie well, for a long oh, time, you know.
0: All right. Well, Frenchie it is uh man i've just been following uh your social media for about a month or two now and you've yeah. just been tearing it up and busy as uh, can be yeah. and that's really good for late november december as we approach the holiday season it's uh it's the first uh
1: this month in december i have 15 shows and that's a lot uh for being december yeah for being around the holidays so i've been enjoying it I've been happy to be working and you know finishing 2021 on a a right note and got a got an album coming out on the 15th also so just a little five song EP little acoustic thing very bluesy so yeah I just decided to finish uh, the year like on the big that's one thing
0: I've really appreciated and we'll get into it I want to go ahead and plug uh, the albums that you have out now,
1: yeah. And go ahead
0: and plug your website, and then we'll plug it again at the end. So if you can tell us a little bit how people can uh, find you on social media or your website.
1: Yeah. So all my social media is Guitar Frenchie. So Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We do daily guitar videos on it. So that's all at Guitar Frenchie. And for the website, with an easy link to all the albums and tour dates, you'll go to uh, BluesDestroyers.com bluesdestroyers.com
0: right on and it's
1: pretty easy i just
0: want to start from um square one with you is um uh, man growing up uh
1: where did you grow up at so i grew up in a town called Nimes, n-i-m-e-s and that's in the south of france and i spent yeah. 19 years there from the time i was born and raised in my uh, turbulent teenage years and uh, eventually I, uh, I left France for England first, spent about a year in London and when I was 20, shy of 21, I moved to the United States and I moved to Los Angeles, California and that was 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's been, uh, been quite a ride
0: and so i mean what what brought you to the states was it was it music or like when you were growing up i mean what were you into in france
1: so my folks they are motorcycle riders big fans of rock and roll so i grew up on everything american at home and then you turn on the television and it's tv series movies so every kind of reference that i had was always american you know, I grew up like watching Dukes of Hazzard when I was a kid on TV and all that. And so, I guess the uh, propaganda worked really well on this little French guy because I thought that everything that was cool was American: cars, girls, rock and roll, the motorcycles, the open roads. And I always dreamed to to to. But you can see I got my American flag behind me. Uh, no, no. But I, uh, I, just, I just fell in love early on with the American culture, and so I was just very curious to see what it was about. Now, where do you go? You could go to New York, it's New York, it's not Alabama or Texas, or you go to California, kind of the same deal. So I wanted to go either to Tennessee or, or Texas, so it was either Nashville or Dallas. But in my young mind, I was actually kind of clever because I thought, man, if I go to Tennessee or Texas, it's going to be so particular. And, you know, I don't come from money, so I didn't have like a trust fund so I can rent a place. Nothing. I was backpacking, you know, guitar in the backpack. I thought it's going to be culturally so intense that I might not be able to. To make it work right away. So I thought if you go to Los Angeles, I knew this was the place where everybody come from somewhere when you're in L.A. So, if you say, well, I'm from France, nobody's going to, you know, bad night. They'd be like, oh, that's cool. And so I decided to move to LA. And I was staying in cheap hotels. And and then I started to make uh, my rounds and figure the whole thing out pretty quick. That was 20 years ago. And uh yeah. Uh, and that,
0: that's a great point, man. Uh, anytime. Uh I guess talking about anyone, you know, from out of the United States, it's uh, it's usually Los Angeles, it's usually New York City, because it's, yeah. it's that. Where are you, you going to go? You're going to go where everything is. Yes. And so, uh, when you were 20 years old, of uh, like something really cool happened. You had a a, a Mr. Jennings uh, just playing in the living room. Is that right? So yeah. So. So three weeks after
1: landing in the States in L.A., I was at some after party and I was jamming with a band. So I was answering ads and trying to find a gig. And I was playing with this guy named Joe Firstman. He was from North Carolina, but had migrated to uh, California. And I was playing with him and this guy comes up to me. His name is Lex. He's a dear friend of mine. He comes up to me. It's like two or three in the morning on a Saturday night. It was a a rehearsal space. I don't know the name of it, but it was at the corner of Hollywood and Vine where the Capitol Records building is. And uh, comes up to me and he asks me, he goes, man, you played pretty good tonight. I said, oh, cool. And you know, I I had broken English back then. I still got the accent, but I I do a little better now. He goes, uh, have you ever heard of Waylon Jennings? And I said, uh, (laughs) I don't know. So he looks at me a little weird and he goes, well, he goes, you well, he heard heard of Jukes of Hazard, and I was like, "He, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so he's like, come on, man. He goes, and he starts singing, just a good old boy. I said, Yeah, of course. And obviously, we had, you know, a different title back in France for Dukes of Hazard. It was called "Sherif Fais-moi peur. So I was like, Yes, of course. And he goes, Well, I'm playing with his son, Shooter, and we have a rock and roll band called Stargun and our guitar player is quitting the band and we need a guitar player so right there and then I was sold so he calls mm-hmm. up Shooter, it's 3 in the morning Shooter shows up with his girl and we've been around town partying so we all go to their rehearsal space Stargarden's rehearsal space and uh, we started playing Shooter grabbed the bass Lex on drums and I just started playing and so just kind of played a little something something and uh, Lex is looking at me he goes, dude, come on Play like you did earlier you know i was like oh, shred I said okay so i went for it played for a little while I sure stops he goes where are you staying So i said i'm staying right down the road at some hotel uh, hotel on uh, on hollywood boulevard hostel and um he goes no you're not you're coming back with us tonight you got the gig I said, all right i was game." <laughs> So, when I picked up my bag, my backpack at and and, and the hostel, and, and when it crashed at the band house, and then the next day I got introduced to the rest of the band members, and I was going to be top player for Stargun. And so, when that happened, I told Shooter, I said, Look, said, I'm said, i not from here, obviously, and that needs to get back to work. I need to get a work visa if I'm going to play in the band. I'm not going to play with immigration. And he goes, Well, let me call my parents, and we'll figure it out. So he called his parents, which is Waylon Jennings and Jesse Coulter, country royalty. And they were like, well, that sounds great. Will you kids come and spend the weekend at our house in, you know, in Chandler, Arizona? And that way we can meet him and see how it goes. And then we'll figure it out, figure out how to work his papers. So we went over and I met Waylon and and Jesse and we had a great weekend. There was family members there. And so it was a pretty packed house. So I, I took the couch. And so on a Saturday night, me and Shooter and some of the guys in the band we went out to the bars and got, proceeded to get really drunk. So we come home late. Obviously, Wayne and Jesse stayed home. They were not gonna go out and party. And so I crashed on the couch and early Sunday morning, I'm just hungover as can be. And I smell food cooking and, you know, breakfast food, bacon and all that good stuff. And uh, But then I start hearing music and my head is pounding. I'm like, oh, this is bad. This is terrible. So I look up from under the covers and I look up and I see Waylon and Jesse sitting at the piano playing to each other uh-huh. and that was a magical moment. I, uh, I just sat there and just enjoyed the show and then everybody got out of their rooms, respective rooms and we all went on over to the kitchen table and had a nice breakfast with everybody and I knew it was a special moment and I also knew that uh, this was the beginning of my uh, American life Definitely career, but but also American life to be introduced to to the country with such boy legends and,
0: and you know
1: part of the uh, Americana culture. And so yeah, I'll play I with- mean,
0: just what what a, what a way to be just inter- introduced to one of the kings of outlaw country. Yeah. And just from getting getting familiar with your music is yeah. uh I've spent quite a bit of time with the album Praise. Oh yeah, And it's, it's, it's very bluesy, but you kind of stamp Texas on it, in my opinion. It's got like an outlaw about it, you know?
1: Yeah, because, well, I grew up on strictly rock and roll pretty much and a lot of blues, of course. But when I came to the States and I got introduced to Waylon and Shooter kind of gave me an education in what to listen. So he gave me a bunch of Hank Jr. and George Jones. Of course, all the Waylon stuff. And I was, at a time of my life, 20 years old, 21. I'd been playing since I was 12. But I had played in the south of France, a little bit in England, but I wasn't very that experienced. So I was still kind of forming my style, even though it was very blues-based. So by meeting Women in person and then getting introduced, because I did meet Chris Christopherson and played with him a little bit. I played with, you know, later on with Billy Joe Shever. I jammed with Hank Jr. before. So I got really, like, completely absorbed into... That realm of music, the, the outlaw country and the, the real old school country music. And I found something of interest musically for me because they all sound very bluesy. Some Willie Nelson recordings or Merle Haggard's picking, it's all, all blue stuff. It's just played with a twang and then same thing in the voice. Hank Jr. has got a really uh, interesting voice. Some of the stuff is very bluesy. And so I felt at home in this new genre that I was discovering in my early 20s. And then after we, I played with Shooter for a couple of years, now we had a, a hard rock band. We were like all about Guns N' Roses and ACDC and stuff like that, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But after playing with Shooter, that's when I moved to Texas for the first time because I moved in out know, Texas a couple of different times over the past two decades. But uh, I just came to Texas and played with some friends that I met on the road because I just felt that Texas was the place for me to be. You know, LA was a great place to start, but I'm from a... a, a medium-sized town in the south of france kind of look like texas in the sense you know i could go to alabama and feel right at home i just like you know slow pace just you know l.a was fun i love going to l.a if i go spend a couple of days i go i love going to new york if i spend a couple of days knowing that i will go home you know if you mm-hmm. tell me tomorrow you gotta live in new york for a year i would be like i'm not i'm not doing it
0: <laughs> you know right so, yeah so Man, it, there's something about that that you know that kind of small to medium sized town, and uh I believe you're absolutely right just time seems to s- just slow down, almost stand still, and you're not you're not so uh, inundated by like all these different sensories that are constantly going off um, just stuck in traffic France all form. the time yeah go ahead yeah but just back to France like of um, earliest interest that got you in the music was was it mom and dad with the record player Mm -hmm. or did they put you into music uh like you're gonna be a classically trained guitarist or how does that look
1: no they they just love music and everything that had to do with music so it could be uh, i mean they still have their living room looks like a rock and roll museum they got like little figurines of the rolling stones and it's box sets everywhere guitars on the wall so i kind of grew up around that they never pushed me to pick up a guitar for my seventh birthday they bought me a record player and a cheap one you know nothing i think the brand was called sharp s-h-a-r-p sharp it was like a plastic turntable. <laughs> and so we went to the store and bought it for me and they said well do you want a record to go with it and i asked for eric burden the animals the best of the animals lp and I would play that nice. thing all day long. And it's, it's of course all American music sung by English, English folks, you know, but it was the House of Rising Sun and Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood and all the songs. And so I was just, I just started having my own little world in my own room. I was able to now switch from the living room to my room with my records. And so whenever I asked for a record, my dad was trying to find me a copy. Obviously there were some records that were a little rare. So my dad was not gonna let me have a $200 vinyl and give it to seven-year-old to scratch it all up, right? Because he did have a really big record collection. talking about a couple thousand records. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And and, uh, so I already had an education by listening to what my dad was listening to. And then I just started collecting my own little records as well. And so by the time I was 12, what happened was I just, as I was listening to the same records, out of the blue, I can't even, it's too long ago now, but what I remember out of the blue I started picking the guitar parts out of the songs like my ear was drawn to the guitar whereas before it was just the songs And then around 11 12 the guitar just started you know tickling my ear and I and that's, that's when I, I, was just, I just started getting interested and eventually I told my dad so Jeff Beck was the guy that was really uh, motivating me it's Jeff Beck with the Yardbirds Jeff Beck group uh, BBA so they had a song called Black at Moon that I covered on uh, Praise, first song on Praise. It's a Dunnick mm-hmm. song. And um, he had a live version that was like nine minutes long. And he used a talk box and he did some crazy things in the guitar. So when you're 10, 11 years old, listening to a nine-minute song is a lot. You don't have the attention span. So I remember I listened to it for like a minute or two. Then I'll stop. And then one day, without paying attention, i listened to the entire song. And when the song was over, I just kind of shook my head in, and said, I get it. I get the guitar i understand the guitar and so i went to my parents and said i want to learn how to play the guitar and they got me a guitar i mean like a cheap stratocaster copy and they said well, we'll buy you a guitar you better learn it and i said i will <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, they got me a they got me a book it was like it was called 15 minutes a day to learn how to play the guitar so they told me they okay. said they said just do 15 minutes. And when you're done with your 15 minutes, you can go ride your bike, go hang out with your friends. So that's a pretty good deal. But as soon as I learned A minor, C, D major, right there was the house of the rising sun. I heard it in the course I was learning. I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. And then another 100 songs had those chords in. So 15 okay. minutes turned into an hour, turned into eventually when I was like, you know, 15, 16, I would do 10 hours a day. To the point where I skip school completely to just go practice guitar. And that that was no, yeah. it was no going back. So they can't it's, complain. Uh,
0: <laughs> you know, yeah, the, the no kidding. Uh, the story uh, kind of reminds me of uh, Van Halen. Is uh, you know after he was uh, just listening to these records and uh, he's self-taught and he learns. Uh, it, it got to a point to where he would just put a record on. And, you know, he would just play along with that record, note for note. And it got to a point for him to where when he was around other musicians, everyone thought that he read music, Ah. but he never would blow his cover. You know, he's like, he said sheet music in front of me. I don't know what to do. It's all by ear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he was like, just let me hear it and I'll be able to emulate it. And uh, that's very cool. So, just uh, back to the United States now. Uh, so, you and Shooter, uh, y'all were in a, a hard rock and roll band for a time. Yeah, and uh, uh, what comes after that?
1: So, what comes after that? So, with Shooter, we did a, we did a little US tour on Southwest. We went through Arizona, Texas, or we way to Orleans and back. And so, when we came to... Uh, to to, to texas uh we met a lot of the texas artists and you know being the son of Whalen, people showed up All right. um, so i met a lot of cool people and i loved texas i thought it was like the best time and so when we got back to la and eventually like about a year and a half later the band broke up i was left with the choice because my whole world had been stargun from like the get-go so now everything crumbled what am I going to do? Do you go home back to France and tell your kids later on, hey I used to have a band in LA and I'd be like no you didn't that <laughs> but uh, it was either going back to France or trying to find an avenue to, to survive because what really happened early on during those formative years with Stargan, what I realized is music was my means of communication and make a living but I had felt had fallen in love with, with with the United States, with America, with the road. So I was gonna find a way, no matter what, to stay, because I wanted to keep experiencing what I had just kind of had a taste for. Mm-hmm. So I made some phone calls and I ended up getting a, a temporary gig with a guy named Wade Bowen, who's a Texas artist from Waco. And he was getting started, he got out of the college circuit, you know, a lot of Texas bands formed in college, and then some of them went on to have a career, and Wade was kind of in the same boat. He had gone to Texas Tech in Lubbock, and a lot of music comes from Lubbock, you know, all the way back to Buddy Holly. And um, he, offered me, he offered me to come out and hit the road with his band, because, you know, I was a little more professional than the band he had at the time. He said, if you come in, you know, you'll help everybody out and see what's going on. And, and as soon as I started playing with Way, what I didn't realize is that I had already had a reputation by doing that one tour with Shooter so as soon as i got to texas i met all the bigger artists you know way was up and coming and but i would go and jam with guys like cross canadian ragweed
0: um i was I'll, gonna ask you about cody canada yeah yeah i know Cody well oh uh, man i grew up uh, a lot of my teenage years was riding red dirt roads in yeah. and blaring cross canadian ragweed that's awesome and like <laughs> yeah and so um you know right when you i was reading your bio and like prepping for this is i have gotta ask him if he knows cody canada because yeah. they were in the same exact circuits yeah yeah hang out with that's uh, cool man so yeah uh, oh, man awesome. give me a give me a cool cody
1: canada story um i'll tell you a funny story so one night uh, ragweed was playing with a guy named pat green and they were playing in Dallas at some amphitheater. It was about five, six thousand people, and I was off that weekend, so I went out and hang out. And I would go out. Yeah. I would go. I would go up on stage with Ragweed every time we opened up for them, and I would uh, get on stage for like a couple of songs at the end of the set. And so we're backstage, and I hadn't seen a, I hadn't played for a crowd of thousands of people yet. I was just playing clubs and bars and dives and all that stuff, right? So I'm like, wow, this is going to be cool, and and crazy, and um so cody comes up to me backstage before the show and he goes hey here's your set list uh, I, <laughs> I don't care about the a set list you know, i thought i would just hang out drink my wine and then call me up on stage just walk in, like hey you know <laughs> just play a couple songs he goes <laughs> i said a set list he goes well yeah you think you're just going to sit your ass in the chair the whole entire show you coming up on the stage with us you know right now i'm like oh shit like okay all right <laughs> and I walk on stage with them and I knew the songs, but I never really played all of them songs. So I just kind of, you know, improvised. And it was 6,000 people and I never played in front of 6,000 people. And next thing you know, like Cody's like, come on, take it, you know, do your thing. I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm in front of the stage doing my thing. And next thing you know, I feel something and I'm being lifted up. Like, what the fuck? And I look down, is Cody's head in between my legs and it had gone underneath me and grabbed me and put me on his shoulders. I'm like Malcolm Young from ACDC. And I'm like rocking my guitar solo on top of Cody's shoulders in front of 6,000 people. The entire place went crazy. And so that's, that was a cool story. But that shows you how, you know, the kind of guy Cody and the kind of guy, the kind of guys they were as far as being really cool and supportive. And that's something that I found in Texas. It's, it's just like this community of people that are very supportive of each other. And I know there's a lot of places like that. But I, in Texas, I really appreciated you know this uh, this sense of community there's another guy named Stony larue i don't know if you ever heard of Stony. Stony yeah. larue is uh he's same same era as ragweed and he's one of the best singers very soulful can play guitar like nobody else and i don't know i just fell at home in texas and that's that's been it and i lived in nashville for years too but i was playing every weekend i was playing in texas so i would be flying in or i'll be on tour on tour bus and you know, I played with a guy named Jack yes. Ingram for, for, for many years. And so I've, I've, I've been around. I've been around, and no matter what I've done, I lived in Oklahoma for a couple of years. And, but I was always, I will always come back to Texas. So at this point in my life, I'm just going to stay in Texas. If I go somewhere else for business, right. that's fine. But I will always come back to Texas. I hear
0: you. So uh, right now, you're stationed in the Dallas Fort Worth area, right?
1: Yeah, I'm Fort
0: Worth, but yeah, it's the DFW Metroplex. Right on. And so, uh, man, uh, just to walk it up to, you know, 2020, 2021. And I mean, just since we've been uh, uh, friends on social media and I'm following you, is, uh, man, you've you've had a lot of cool opportunities uh, just here lately with pursuing your own music. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, man, tell me about some of uh, how that really came to be for uh, uh, Frenchie's Blues Destroyers, right? Okay, so it's a cool story, too. So
1: it's a duo. It's me and uh, Brother Pete, the drummer. And Brother Pete's been playing drums for Jack for 27 years. And so when I joined the band in 2007 with Jack, Pete and I became really good friends. I mean, we're all Mm -hmm. friends. I'm, you know, consider Jack family also, but... After a few years, I started enjoying seeing Jack and Jack's process with songwriting and the Nashville business. And I lived in Nashville for, for, for a few years and I met a lot of talented people. And I started paying attention, less attention to the guitar picking itself for itself, but how to go around writing a song and, and lyrics. I started getting interested in lyrics. My English got better. I started reading books. Um, and by seeing other people writing around me, I just got the bug. And I naturally just started every time I picked up a guitar instead of just, you know, practicing or playing guitar. So I just kind of mess around, see what would come out of it. And I kind of found myself early on, like when I started doing it, having a thing for it, like I at least felt like I had a few things to say. So I started writing around 2009, 2010. I did a couple of demos in Nashville, and but I never played a live show. And there's a couple of reasons why. It's because you can put me in front of ten thousand people on stage with a guitar, with a singer, walk in the park. But if you have to put me in front of a microphone cool. in front of twenty people, I I, I freeze. I, in my head, I just I'm not a singer. I would never sing back on harmonies, you know. But I didn't see myself singing. And also, playing guitar for years, I had a muscle memory for the guitar. But remembering lyrics, even your own lyrics, is a different kind of memory. And for a couple of years I just kept writing and collecting songs and once in a while do like a songwriters showcase and play a couple of songs here and there. But I just didn't really care about playing. I just care more about writing. I had my, you know, artist gig with Jack. So it's just like, you know, it'll be what it is. Then one day mm-hmm. brother Pete goes, he goes, hey man, you know, have you thought about starting to go out and play your songs? And I'm like, mm I'm not doing it. He goes, come on, man. You got it, it'll be fun. We'll, how about we do a show together in Dallas? We'll just play for an hour or so. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, didn't look like chicken shit. So I said, yes, but I was just like, oh, but Jesus, it's going to be a disaster. So when we went play this place called Ader Saloon It's in the old Deep Ellum, uh, a historic place in Dallas and they have, you know, bar after bar after bar and it's like three, four streets. You know, it's just crazy, it's awesome big blues history there in deep ellen also and uh we played a show at this place called eight air saloon and nobody threw beers at me i got a couple compliments at the end i didn't mess up my lyrics and i actually had a good time and i was like well all right so we had a show in fort worth the next night a place called magnolia Motor lounge it's like a a badass club here in, in fort worth and same thing happened it went well. People enjoyed it. And then I caught the bug. I'm like, all right, give me a microphone, man. That's it. We're going for it. And so that's how we started uh, Blues Distortors. But that was eight, nine years ago now. And I was still back in Asheville. Pete was in Texas. We we're touring with Jack. So we didn't really play many shows. And once in a great while, we'll just find time. for in the same city at the same time to just go and play a show somewhere. So it's not really until 2016, 17 that we really got... To work, to be working when I moved to Fort Worth from Oklahoma. Zigzagging on the map here. But uh, so once I was around, that's when we started booking shows and we played. I mean, we played all the time. And next thing you know, I had all these songs and we found a producer. We went and did uh, Love Is Blood and Praise. And we toured extensively behind it. We went, uh, you know, we've entered out outside of Texas. We're going to Louisiana and Mississippi a lot. I love going to Mississippi. i go to Clarksdale. Uh, i always enjoyed I, that. I was going
0: to bring it up. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's the blues now. So uh, I knew you had to make your way to at least Clarksdale. Uh, I, man, you got to come to Bentonia and hang out. You, you'll probably play at the Blue Front Cafe. Especially if old Jimmy Duck Holmes gets to hear and you play i haven't um, gone I haven't gone to yeah I'm telling you is uh the first time I ever went there, I went to go meet Jimmy uh, I, I wanted to have him on the podcast, yeah, and that's a mission that I'm on now is to capture all these old blues cats and to make sure that uh everything that they did on the guitar and in their life is captured so anyone like you or me who looks back who is into the blues can kind of get an idea of who they were
1: yeah for sure. and so like
0: I've, I've been spending time with these guys and so i've got some trips to Clarksdale coming up but uh
1: well how far are you from uh man it's, from that uh, area? there's
0: just something about mississippi right
1: there's something about mississippi yeah it's um it's, it's, it's not for everyone, I got to tell you, because there is something in here, it's pretty heavy. You go to some, at least from Texas through Louisiana, you go to some small towns. I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's a, uh, I don't know the name of the place. It's, it's There's nobody there. There's like a couple hundred people, but you, uh, it's like a little gas station corner store. And, you know, the old timers are sitting inside at the little tables, you know, slash little cafe, and then the cemetery is right behind the gas station, it's like, You know you just kind of and they just you walk in and just look at you because they see someone driving through they know you're not from (laughs) around those parts and yeah but i'll tell you a funny story about carsdale so i had moved out of nashville for for girl and i moved to oklahoma city and i was there for two years and we eventually separated and i um i came down to to fort worth but i just i was just i was just feeling you know i was just feeling blue i just you know i wasn't doing too great about the breakup and it's like, well, why don't you just drive down to Cogsdale and spend a couple of days and just, you know, see something different and I, always, I had always wanted to go. So I go there and I booked a, a, a room at a place called the Shack up Inn and Shack up Inn- is I was gonna open,
0: bring
1: it up. Oh, you really? <laughs> That's awesome. So Shack Up Inn, right? Are you, so you've been there?
0: I have not been there personally, but I have a lot of stories collected from there. A very uh, special place in clarksdale
1: Yeah, so it's an old plantation, and they turn shotgun houses into uh, into little hotels, and it's really beautiful. Uh, silos, they turn them into rooms, and so mm-hmm. and it was super cheap. You know, I mean, it was like seventy bucks yeah. a night. You know, for this, for for being there, it's great. And so, so I booked and a three, lot of history. And a lot of history. So I booked three nights there. And then I look at their website and I see that they have um, concerts there, at the of Pinn, they have an actual stage and everything. So I contacted them. I said, hey, uh, I'm so-and-so, you know, in Texas doing this and that. You know, I told them I was a professional musician. And I said, well, I'm going to be in town and I reserve rooms with you guys. And um, maybe I can play while I'm there. And they got back to me. They said, well, to tell you what, we can't really pay you, but if you play, and they gave me a night, they said, if you play, we'll give you uh, one free night and breakfast i said deal so i go there and i get settled and uh so i played the second night that's why i played the second night because i went around town and i went to all the shops and everything and i went to see a guy named dick harp so monica plays left handed i place. know
0: dick harp you do okay dick so, yeah, Deke, Deke is a friend of mine
1: that's awesome what a small world i love that ah this is awesome yeah so I go and visit him. Yeah, when you keep talking
0: about the blues world in Mississippi, there's, there's going to be some names that you and I have a lot in common with.
1: That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, Dick is so sweet, man. And I introduced myself, and I told him I was a fellow left-handed guitar player. And he goes, oh, really? Just play my guitar. So I picked up his guitar, and I played a couple of things. And he goes, oh, Coolie, what are you doing uh, tomorrow? And I said, uh, not much. He goes, so I'm playing at Ground Zero Blues Club. Come and sit in." And I said, cool. I said, well, I'm playing Happy Hour at Shaka Pin, and after that, I'll go and come and play with you. It's cool. So the next night, I play at Shaka Pin, and it's a bunch of tourists, a bunch of Europeans, and uh, yeah. they, all, they all came out to see me, and then there was a shuttle that was taking all of them to ground zero to go see Deke. So they see me play. I made 250 bucks in tips. But that's a free night. I draw myself. I didn't write a show. I draw myself which maybe was not a such a good idea afterwards. No, just kidding. But uh, <laughs> it's one straight line. <laughs> but then, so I, I go back there. And so all, this, all these tourists that came out to see uh, Deke, next thing you know, they see the French guy that just saw play <laughs> Shaka Pint, get up on stage and end up playing the entire night with, with Deke. And we had a great time. And then I met other people, um, uh, Stan Street. I don't know if you're familiar with Stan Street. He owns Hambone Gallery in Clarksdale. Mm-hmm. And he became a, a yep. really dear friend of mine, and so we ended up playing the Juke Joint Festival with Pete. Because the next time I brought Pete with me, Brother Pete, and we played blues Destroyer shows. And uh, a friend of ours, TK, she's a booking agent, and she's very well known in the blues world. And she ended up booking us some shows, kind of different cities. And you know, um, so we had kind of a little bit of an adventure in, in Mississippi. But since COVID, we haven't gone back. So yeah and I, I don't know if i want to come back because everybody's just kind of scared over there about everything so um but other it's, than it, that
0: there's it is, it's it's been quite a turnaround in mississippi of uh, yeah i know uh clarksdale is beginning to pick back up um bentonia they were real careful for a time but um they just did a show last friday of um, you know it's and I, I believe, especially in those blues areas, is you got so many of these old cats and uh, I, they do need to be careful with this. Yes, yeah, sure. Yes, you're And yeah. So. Uh, but uh, I, I believe it. I believe it's time to uh, begin moving again. Uh, in that regard. So, man. Uh, tell me. Uh, we we kind of just blew right through Nashville. Uh, <laughs> you learned yeah. Anybody. Uh, uh, Tell me something about Nashville that kind of stuck with you.
1: Well, so the first time I went to Nashville was after Waylon passed away. We flew to Nashville to play for for Shooter's Dad's Memorial, so for Waylon's memorial at the Ryman. So the first time I went to Nashville, you played the
0: Ryman.
1: That was yeah, I played it twice since, but I played my first time in Nashville was to go play the Ryman, and we were on the same bill. So we started, but it was uh, his dad's band. Um, Hank Jr, Kid Rock, Chris Christopherson, uh, Ragweed was there, we invited them to play, and I met some really cool cats, I met Lou Harris that night, I met James Burton, who gave me compliments on my guitar playing, and we were down on Broadway and went from bar to bar, so I had a pretty nice taste of Nashville because of the women connection, and so when I moved to Texas for the second time in 2007 early 2007 and I got the gig with Jack Ingram Jack's label was based out of Nashville and the bus was based out of Nashville so often we would fly and meet the bus somewhere because we're like on big tours you know across the United States and I was staying with the tour manager I didn't have a place or nothing and then tour manager goes hey man so when are you going to get a place and I was like I didn't think about it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i don't know i sleep on the tour bus it's like nah, you can't really do that you know we're gonna eventually be around holidays it's gonna slow down you got to find a place and then i don't know why i just said is it possible for me to live in nashville and still be in a van because everybody else was in texas and he goes yeah that's fine be wherever you want so i got a place in nashville and i still had the wayland connection and and because Jack was doing pretty good in Nashville with the business at the time, I also kind of had my foot in the door. Like I didn't have to, I didn't have to go play on Broadway four hours a night in a cover band to, to get noticed. before we knew who I was. So I was lucky in that sense that I, I was just already in the business. And I stayed for eight years. I did. And... There with some cool cats. I met some really cool people. And I just learned a lot. I really loved the city. I just had to leave eventually just because I think, well, because I think it's kind of the troubadour lifestyle. You know, you don't really stay somewhere too long. And that was the longest city I lived in, still to today. But then Nashville became something else. And I don't talk down on it because I think it's great. But it's just got to be too much. And it goes back, I think, to my roots of coming from a smaller pace town and just you know everybody next thing you know turn around and it's all these young kids they all there's not a bruise or scratch on them you know it's clean clothes designer clothes and fancy three thousand dollar guitars but they write songs i don't know what they're writing about because they don't look like they have, have lived life yet you know and you know because of my bringing especially in america with you know being a big fan of billy joe shaver and and all those cats it just seemed to me that it was turning into something else and this not really true in general but at least in my experience it was and i just kind of wanted to get out of there i thought it was time to just kind of see other places and but overall it was a great experience because like i said i did a lot but who knows maybe
0: absolutely
1: uh, maybe i'll show myself in the foot. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Of uh, man like when you call back home um like uh friends you grew up with or you know family members is of uh, man just like w- what is that like when you're describing like what you're doing i mean does it how, how does that click with them
1: well so what's interesting about this is when i left home when i left friends i just kind of lost touch with a lot of my high school friends and few people when i said i'm gonna go to uh, to la and i'm gonna make a career in music well now people thought what do you think you are i said i don't think i'm anybody but i'm gonna go and do something you know i'm not gonna stick around here
0: mm-hmm.
1: sticking around in the piss around in your hometown right think for it a piece of ground on a piece of ground in your hometown, so it's kind of the concept. It's just like I, it doesn't matter if I fail or not, or if I succeed, just the fact that I'm gonna try is a success in itself. So if I come home because Uh-oh. nothing happened, at least I tried. That, that was kind of the concept. So the first year, first two years, I will go home eventually, like you know, maybe try it once a year for Christmas or something once I got my visas and all that. But the people see you, they don't, they're like, ah, he's back, you know. Someone will tell my dad, hey, I saw your kid the other day. He goes, oh, you did? Well, if you see him, tell him to come inside to his parents who haven't seen him in 10 months. Like, people thought they saw me in my hometown, whereas I was here doing music, right? So I think a lot of people didn't understand that I was here to stay already, even in, within two or three years of my American experience. I was here to stay. I was going to do anything that I can, my power to stay. So eventually, I think by the time, you know, 10 years into it, they kind of realized, I don't think he's coming back. It's been 10 years and i wasn't keeping in touch with anybody via phone or whatever or email but eventually when facebook came around that's when you know i kind of reconnected with everybody and then i stopped facebook for a while and then like last year i reopened the facebook page because i kind of noticed i needed that anyway because you need to for business and so i, I mm-hmm. re- reconnected with all of my old friends and a lot of them have send me messages of support and say, man, we were like super proud of you, what you did, and and it's like such such an inspiring thing to see you still there and thriving and playing. And it feels good because it felt that when I left, they were looking at me like, you know, that's not gonna happen. But 20 years later, you get you get all my old friends to, and I love being in touch with them. I think it's a really cool thing, you know, and some of them are actually really talented musicians um, and they never stopped playing, they just, never left that's yeah. yeah. but that happens here anyway you know people from small town usa never leave never go to la or new york or nashville or whatever Things a little easier now because yeah. we have the internet so the world is smaller so it's not as crazy of a concept to go to the big city it really is not you know whether or not you say uh, that's a different story but,
0: i've uh, got uh i've got three more questions and okay walk it on out the door
1: I hope we're doing and, I hope uh, we're doing good so far, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think we're doing a fine job man I, yeah, I'd and love gentlemen. to have you on again sometime oh, for sure I just yeah. wanted to respect your time I'd like to keep it around an hour
1: yeah
0: that's uh, what I mean. but yeah. uh, I love man just for listeners uh maybe uh young people or maybe these are parents who have kids who are in the music. you kind of already covered it, but what advice would you give to? uh young guitarist or maybe someone in their 30s who wants to get into music is uh, you kind of laid that out already but uh i mean what what do you what do you say about the commitment to the craft
1: from personal experience well when you start it when you start you got to start for fun you got to do it for the right reasons which is because you you, it feels good to play guitar. I mean, I've been playing for 30 years. I just grab it randomly just to play it. Even if, it's, even if I'm busy, I'll grab it for five minutes and then be like, oh, hello, guitar, and then put it down and then go on with my day. It's just something that you do the second nature. And for songwriting, it's kind of the same thing. I think it's like if you have things to say or if you have an affinity for words and you just have melodies in your head and you, you kind of have a poetic sense, uh, just go for it. Do it, do it because you, you have a need to do it. After that, turning it into a business, well, uh, that's, that's, it's hard, you know, it's really hard. And it's hard to be uh, uh, out there making a living doing it because there's a lot of sacrifices that have to be made. I mean, I have, le- I left home more than 20 years ago. I haven't seen my parents in two years. Good thing we got technology. We Skype like we're doing right now. I, I actually Skype them earlier today. So even though we're far in distance, we can still steal each other. But I left everything behind. You just, you ask questions about my friends, what they think about what I'm doing. What's well, it's kind of like that. For years, I didn't talk to anybody. So I left friends and family behind everything I knew. Now, my case is a little extreme just because I come from a, a far away land. But, but mm-hmm. here, it's just kind of the same thing. You will, you will miss out on relationships. You, you know, you, relationships are hard when you're a musician because you have to go on the road. You will miss out on birthdays. You will miss out maybe even on holidays sometimes. I mean, I'm looking at spending uh, Christmas uh, not at home for the second year and not at home, I mean, my parents' home. I'm almost here, but so you 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 I think a lot of I think what really happens is as you put your feet in the water and you 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 just realize if you're fit for it or not. Because I've known musicians yeah. ten years ago, I knew musicians that 10 years later they've done something else because they're like I still love music, I always play music, I got a music room in my house, but I got a job because you know I started a family. Uh, or, I, you know, my girlfriend, we ended up getting married and having a kid and I didn't want to be away from the kids. Now there's only crazy people like me in in and that are like, well, if I were to have a kid, i still go on the road, you know. And so it's, it's one of those things I think you got you to gotta differentiate what you think you should be doing and what you're supposed to do. Now the only way to find out is to uh, to to go out and do it because people say, well, man, you know, I can write some song. I wish I could be... Uh, So-and-so, I wish I could have a number one. It's like, that's not how that works. That's just not how that works. Like, if you were to ask me where I see myself in five years with music, I don't know and I don't care. I'm going to do what I do right now. I'm looking at 15 shows, 16 shows in December, talking to you like, this is a cool thing and let people know what I do. But I'm not seeing myself, I'm not going to say, okay, if in five years I don't have a number one, I'm going to quit music. No, it doesn't matter. I'll be more like those old blues guys that are, in Bentonia that I've worked the entire life and still play music better than most people that try to do it professionally. I just lucky enough to play good enough on guitar that I can be a side man and, and have the time on the side to do my music and eventually you know, see what's got the most demand. So I say for people that are starting out music is just do it for fun. Don't think about trying to be famous. Don't, you know? Um, I think social media is great because you know, you can have a little page and you can post music videos you sing in or whatever. I think it's great. You know, I got into TikTok. I never thought I would. I love it. I post guitar videos, <laughs> even when I you know, I, I just love it. And people, I mean, new people that I think this is great. And I'm pertinent to comments about like a guitar like I would do or a song that I wrote that I'm singing. It's just you got to do it for fun. Money, figure it out later. Yeah. It's not it's not the most important thing, I think.
0: I do you know, it's, it's a quote that uh, I've been running through my head uh, all this week is, uh, and I, I believe it runs in the right, what you're saying is uh, the thing that you want most is commonly in a place you don't want to look. Like, you know, oh, yeah. if you went back to King, when you go back to King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, uh, when they were looking for the Holy Grail, Uh, you know what their strategy was when they left the round table let's go to the forest and Frenchie, i want you to walk into the darkest place to you in search and i'll go into the darkest place that scares me the most in search there and so like with this with this what you want out of life and you you hit it so well and like a lot of it is distraction and a lot of it is life, but man, uh, you know, I play guitar, and I'll go to a singer-songwriter night, and I'll play at my buddy's bar, and like I have this podcast, and I'm I'm just trying to get the word out about people that I respect in music, yeah. And I'm just doing everything that that I can for the community, and like, I'm 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 crossing all my T's and dotting my I's, and that's all I want. And I'm having a great time doing it. Yeah,
1: it looks so like it. Like, yeah, in my right.
0: mind, it's successful. Yeah. And so like when people, it, it's almost like jumping into something with the wrong intent, right? It's like, I'm going to be a hit star. Probably not.
1: <laughs> Most not. likely not.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, because I think, I think that people that, that are in the business that are looking for the stars, they'll know. So if you're a star, you don't have to look for it. Do what you love. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's maybe not that easy, but the big part of it, I think, is that, I mean, tomorrow I'm playing a brewery, right? I love it. It's not because I played in front of 17,000 people with with Ingram that I'm going to say, well, if I'm not playing for 17,000 people, I'm not going to play at all. I don't care. Like, I played sold-out theaters with Jack Acoustic last weekend. And then this weekend, I'm going to do my own little shows in breweries and stuff. And then I got a couple of brunch shows this weekend of solo acoustic. I'm excited about it. I cannot wait. And, you know, I promote it because I'm not ashamed of it. Because some people say, well, I don't want to show unless it's, you know, big. But it's just like, no, you know, you you live now. You don't live five years from now. Just don't. Especially now that I'm in my early 40s. (laughs) you know, Just do what you're doing you're doing it this is what this is what the reality of your life is and if you don't like it then do something else but if you do appreciate like i do and and be thankful that you know place like texas you know we we, you know places open you can go out people are going out people want to hear music and there's i think there's 30 something breweries around the dfw area more more i think and they all have music pretty much every day of the week like if you want to play you can play yeah, you, know, you can literally play. Like I said, I played seven shows last, last week. week. if Nashville calls one yeah, day, and know, someone I mean, heard about me. I was just
0: fo- I was following the coverage, and I was like, "My man Frenchy is getting after it."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, cause, and it's great. I love it. I'm not burning out, so I won't do it till uh, till my 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 entire beard and hair is gray, and uh, you know, and the scars from the road, and so it's. Uh, it's fantastic, you know. It's been
0: a life worth living, right?
1: Oh yeah. And I, I'm I mean I'm 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 pretty healthy, so I'm looking at, you know, another two decades at least, if not more, of doing it, you know, like I have. And I think it's, it's fantastic.
0: I right don't all right. Question number two is uh, it's a bit of uh your welcome is what has been uh, your favorite part of the interview to put you on the spot. At
1: the favorite part of the interview? Yeah. I don't know. I spent the whole entire interview's been great. Uh, I think probably yeah, su-
0: man, I, I, I've had a great time.
1: Well, I think probably surprising me about Mississippi and uh and knowing D carp and heard about the uh, Shaka Pin and
0: did you have a story about the pin No, uh like not a personal story. It's, it's just like I have a whole collection of stories. It's like uh, I have a friend what he'll be playing their music on uh He's got a station from 9 to 12 out of Tuscaloosa. It's called Indies Only.
1: Okay. And so uh,
0: Monk is uh, really into the blues. And so he has all these stories from staying at the Shack Up Inn. And I was like, I've got to do that myself. And then, you know, you just continue meeting people. And it was like, Shack Up Inn, Shack Up Inn. You know, and it's just like, I've got just a little storybook of these collection of stories. Like, what happened to you is it's just a really cool experience that happened.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a thing. Yeah. Cause Coxdale is the place. Yeah. It's, it's a magical place really. If you know, if you, if you can, anybody, even if you're not a blues lover, but you love music in general, this is one of the places to go. So and that was definitely the, the surprising part of the interview. Cause we hadn't really talked before the podcast about anything. And so after that in there, it's just Mm-mm. like, oh, cool, you know? So yeah.
0: Yeah. Right on. Number yeah. three is, uh, for the audience is, uh, Plugs on social media and anyone in the Texas area or wherever you'll be for the rest of this month. And if you can call 2022, like January, uh, where are you going to be playing? And what are you going to be up to? I don't
1: need to pull up my dates because I don't even know.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> but
1: pe- people okay. know, people can just go to uh, my website, is bluesdestroyers.com. And you got the dates there. They're all there. And the music is there too. And then all my social media is at guitar Frenchie, and i do instagram facebook and tiktok so if they go if they go to instagram i always always post in advance for about the shows and so i play uh well hell let me see i play uh when is the podcast coming out so i can kind of so i'm playing the ninth Uh,
0: oh i could possibly get it out tomorrow um I don't know, yep. I was just going to wait to uh, get this audio and Figure it see out, yeah. which audio I was going to use.
1: Yeah, the best thing for people if they're in the area is to go to bluesdestroyers.com, but it's basically, all I've got is, it's all, right now, it's all Fort Worth and Dallas. Okay. So it's all, and I have I have a few dates for January, but they haven't been confirmed yet, So, but everything in December is confirmed so far, so.
0: Well, man, uh, sometime in the future, uh, hopefully next year, uh, maybe we'll be uh, shaking hands and uh, maybe we're at Bentonia or Clarksdale. Yeah. And, uh, for just sure. having ourselves a ball and a biscuit. Maybe we should exact right. And then
1: maybe we should just meet in Clarksdale or like in, in Mississippi in general. That'd be a great place to go see music and do all that. So.
0: Right on. Well, uh, Kevin or uh, Frenchie, uh, man, <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you so much, man. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, you're welcome back uh, anytime. Uh, I can't wait to listen back. I- I've had a blast. But I did
1: too. I, um, well, that was great.
0: All right. All right, man. Bye, see you soon.
1: See
0: you Bye. Bye, see ya. News and notes. Thank you so much for listening to Porch Talk. If you haven't done so already, give that five-star review to the podcast app that you listen to Porch Talk on. Share it on your social media with your coworker, with your friends and family. I firmly believe in the work that we're doing here uh, to put a spotlight on real music. And you're well aware of all the other things that we do here. I want to give a shout out to our sponsors at Monson & Brothers. If you go to MonsonBrothers.com, it's the holiday season. You, yes you, can get you some Monson Brothers goodies. Order online at MonsonBrothers.com, and when you go to check out, use the promo code PORCHTALK. All one word, all caps. "Porch Talk." All one word, all caps. You'll get a little discount from me. And so that helps me, helps you, helps Monson. It's it's a win-win-win. And how often do you get to do that? I would invite you to go to bluesdestroyers.com if you want more from Frenchie. Uh, support his music, support what he's doing. And uh, a little birdie told me that he will be returning sometime soon. So if you like this, Uh, We're getting an upgrade on the internet here at the house, and so uh, I'm going to be moving the show uh, more uh, toward video. I'm excited about that. Uh, That is all I have for you. Uh, Storefrontier.com backslash porch talk. If you want to uh, support the show by getting some merchandise, you can do that. Uh, Here is Guitar Frenchie and the Blues Destroyers with a song called Miss Me. I'm out of here, guys. Peace out.
1: Crazy, you're never want to love a symptom But you're the one that I'm contemplating Wait. Maybe when I'm gone, tears and trouble around again Maybe when I'm gone, you better step in and try again You better step in and try again You better step in and try again You better step in and try again